mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, A Joyful Mother. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 113, verses 1 through 9. Here now, Pastor Moody. These old moms that are there by nature, but sometimes are so hard to attain. But I begin to think about what a joy God gives a woman to be a mother. And I want to share that with you for a while. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. And thank you for your goodness, your favor, and your love. I thank you for every mom that's here. I thank you for, Lord, those that have touched my life, especially my wife who's here today who's been the mother of my children, the grandmother of my grandchildren, and then my two daughters who are mothers. And I thank you, dear God, for the position you put them in. And I pray that they will truly be joyful mothers of children. Let your will be done. Touch every life in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Hallelujah. I want you to notice this psalm. In the Hebrew, it really begins and ends with alleluia, alleluia. It says, first of all, praise ye the Lord. And then it ends with praise ye the Lord. In the Hebrew, Alleluia. And it is a psalm that encourages us of the importance and gives us reason why we should praise God. Why we should praise Him. When you read it, it says that uh, uh, He is, blessed be the name of the Lord in verse 2, verse 3, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the, the Lord's name is to be praised. And then it sort of tells you why. The Lord is high above all nations. He is over everything. And his glory is above the heavens. Then it says, as I read in your hearing, who is like unto the Lord, our God who dwelleth on high. He lives in heaven. Our God is not a man-made God. He's not a statue or the creation of some man's hands. Man in search of a need of deity throughout history has it oftentimes created his own gods, images, false gods, uh, serving and worshiping creatures more than creator. But our God is Jehovah. Our God is the Lord God Almighty. Our God is the creator of heaven and earth. Our God is the eternal rewarder of the righteous. Can you say amen? Our God is all in all. He's the scripture said heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. I like this. The clouds of the sky are the dust of his heels. He can hold the waters of the oceans and rivers and streams and lakes in the palm of his hand. Our God is so awesome, he can measure out the heavens with the span, with the outreaching of his arms. And when you think of a God like that, then it says 
he humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. In other words, God comes down and he begins to see who we are. I thought like this, he has a desire for us. Your Bible said that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Realize we're a fallen creature. We realize that we're sinners by nature and by choice most of the time. We inherited our sinful traits from our parents who inherited it from their parents all the way back to the first parents, Adam and Eve, who sinned and brought about the fall of the human race. So this lofty God who loves us has a goal for us. That's for us to be saved not only to be saved and go to heaven one day, but can I tell you, God wants you to be blessed. Oh, hallelujah. God wants you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, according to 1 John. God's ambition is for you to live in the fullness of joy and in the favor of this loving, living August and powerful God. This God's desire for you is to be able to embrace you as his own child and be the very source of life that you desperately need. That's the very heart of God. If you believe that, give him praise. Hallelujah. Well, I look through this psalm and I begin to see some things that speak to me and I'll get into the how it applies to motherhood in a moment. Because first of all, I think you have to know God has a motive for everything that he does. God never does anything in retrospect. He never does anything, you know, as the result of what's happened. God had a plan before the foundation of the world. He's never trying to play catch up like I am so often. God always is on time. He's always on target. He never fails. He's never failed. He will never fail. Oh, hallelujah. If I start trying to preach about the omniscience, the omnipresence, and the omnipotence of God, which means the all-seeing knowledge of God, the ever-present, all-encompassing spirit of God, and the all-powerful God, I could preach from now till the Lord comes and never tell half the story. But I just want you to understand that God's heart, God's nature, God's ambition, God's desire for you. You may have walked in here this morning brokenhearted and disturbed. You may have walked in here this morning in distress and in trouble. You may have walked in here this morning and you've got financial problems and, and, and stress and, and maybe you've got children that have lost their minds and went wild or, or parents that have lost their minds and went wild. You, you might be in a situation that you don't know how you're going to get out of it and you don't think anybody cares. I've come to tell you, God cares. And not only does God care, he knows. And not only does he know about your mess, but he's done something about it already. And if you'll give him half a chance, he'll take hold of that thing and fix it for you. Oh, somebody give him praise. That's the very heart and nature of this God. I started to look at this text and some things sort of came off the page at me. In verse five, it said, who is like unto the Lord our God? who dwells on high. Think of, the, of a question like that. 
Who is like the Lord? We used to sing a song, Who is like the Lord? There is no one, hallelujah, there's nobody like my God. Oh, can I tell you, when I'm in trouble, he's the answer. When I need a friend, he already is. When I feel like nobody loves me, he does. When I got the feeling nobody cares, he's already showed me that he does. There's nobody like the Lord. Can you say amen? A God, amen, watch this. Amen, he dwells on high. But according to verse six, he humbles himself. He looks to the things on earth. He comes down even to raise up the poor out of the dust. He lifts up the needy out of the dunghill. The old black preacher said one time, I'm poor poor and needy, but the Lord thinks about me. Can you say amen? I want you to know he's found me in my sin. He found me in my desperation. He found me when I was a failure. He called me when I had nothing to offer. That God left heaven and came here in the form of his son Jesus, and he found me a sinner, and he saved me. I want to tell you, there's nobody like the Lord that you'll ever encounter. If you believe it, give him praise. You see, he's a God who condescends. He views, he comes to, to view the estate of man. In Isaiah, uh, it says that, that uh, he, he, uh, Isaiah cried out to the Lord and, and said, look down from heaven. God, come down and, and look at us. Let us uh, see who we are and see where we are. God, look at our condition. Amen. In Isaiah 63, he said, look down. Then in Isaiah 64, he said, come down. Come down among us. So God condescends to view the estate of man. God, this God comes down then among us to lift us up out of bondage and sin to elevate us. In Exodus chapter three and verse seven, God talked to Moses at the burning bush and he said, I've seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. I know their sorrows. Can I paraphrase? I've seen the whip on their back. I know about the 400 years of slavery. I know about the hopeless, meaningless lives that they're living. But then he said in verse eight, I am come down to deliver them. I didn't just look down, I came down. I've heard the cry of the prophet. I dwell in the high and holy place. In Isaiah 57 and 15 he said, the high and holy one, the lofty one that inhabits eternity. He said, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also soul that's of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and the revive of the heart of the contrite ones. Peter said it like this. He said in 1 Peter 5 and 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast your care upon God because he cares for you. I want to tell you a lot of people have a misconception of God. They think of God simply being as some great ogre in the clouds with a club ready to bop them in the head or ready to bring them to judgment and cast them into hell. But the Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave 
gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. He's altogether holy. They sung it this morning. Holy, holy, holy is his name. Yet he reaches down to a sinner. He reaches down to an imperfect human. And he says, my goal is to pick you up, to lift you up, to elevate you, to give you life and give it to you more abundantly, to make you happy, to make you eternal, to let you live forever. My God, that's the best deal. You're going to get anywhere, church. That's the God we serve. Notice this. God, in his compassion then, makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Jesus said in John 16 and 21, a woman when she's in travail has sorrow. When she's in labor, she has sorrow. When uh, Felicia was born, my oldest daughter, uh, we were, I was in the Army, and we were stationed out at Fort Leonardwood, Missouri, uh, on the Army base there, and, and Gail had Felicia in the Army hospital. And the Army was a little bit different. We went in, and they got her into the, you know, checked in the hospital and processed her, and uh, into the labor uh, unit, the labor hall, where all the women were in labor. That's what it's talking about. And now... You know, just recently, we've had babies born in the family recently, and the family gets to go in and sit there and coach and encourage and hold the hand. Well, back then, I wasn't even allowed back there. And she was by herself. She was in labor. I was out there chilling in the waiting room. I told them all the time, I said, this childbirth ain't nothing. Didn't hurt a bit. (laughs) Are you with me? And then Amanda came, and and back then, we, uh, even then, I could go into the room with her for a while. But then at a certain point, they, they escorted me out, and she was on her own again. I told everybody how easy it was. Are you with me? I, you ladies are looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> My point is this. It is travail. It is pain. It is sorrow. It's You need help, can you say amen, hallelujah. Yet the scripture says that God, amen, he makes the barren woman to keep house. In other words, he allows her to have children and she becomes a a joyful mother of children. And Jesus said this, she has travail and she has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world or that she's had a child. She's been able to, to produce life. And I've had mothers say, well, I remember the pain and I remember the sorrow, but this is saying right at that moment when that child comes forth and you're allowed to take him or her into your arms, all of a sudden there's an overwhelming joy. Can I get a witness from you ladies? And I read something that one great preacher said. You know, in uh, Proverbs it said, to children, are like arrows. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. In other words, he has a lot of them. I thought about my mother-in-law had 12 children, uh, 13 children. She raised 12. And I thought about Gail's grandmother, which was my mother-in-law's mother. And uh, Aunt Mickey that just passed away, that was her mother. And she had 11 children. And out of those children, when she passed away, she was born in 18... 
1883, I think her grandmother was. And when she passed, she had how many grandchildren? 68 grandchildren. How many great-grandchildren? 128 great-grandchildren and, and 108 great-great-grandchildren. You talk about an old man with a full quiver. <laughs> Can you say amen? <laughs> my, my point is this. Children, one, one preacher said, children don't make a rich man poor. Children make a poor man rich. Children are a blessing from the Lord. And in this day and time, I really think that the heart of God has not changed. I really think that God looks at motherhood and like he said to Eve when they fell in the garden, he said the man will earn his living by the sweat of his brow. And then he said to the woman, but you'll be saved in childbearing. And I heard a man say one time, well, every mama saved because she had a baby. That's not what it means. Doesn't mean salvation is only in Jesus Christ, talking about soul salvation. But it was saying to the woman, as a result of sin, man is a fallen creature and the earth is cursed and he has to work by the sweat of his brow. There's a lot of men need to hear that today. That message about work, you know, amen. And it's a responsibility laid upon man. And I've told young men before, listen, there is a way out of this despair and out of this, out of the nature of the fall. There is a way that you can regain some self-esteem and make yourself feel worthwhile. And they say, how's that, preacher? And I say, well, the first thing is to get saved and the second thing is get a job. Hello? Men, can I tell you, there's nothing in this world that makes a man feel as good as working a job and getting a paycheck? Well, I got a few amens. Are you hearing me? It's man's duty to be a provider. It's man's responsibility to earn a living, can you say amen? Well, I'm preaching better than you're shouting now. But then he said the man can restore himself to some level of esteem. That's what it's talking about. But then it said, the women, they can be restored from the fall. Listen, it wasn't man that was tempted first, it was the woman. And then it says, the woman can be restored to a level of esteem by childbearing, by producing life. The, the result of the fall was death, can I get a witness? But a woman produces life. And I want to tell you, there's no greater calling in life than to be a mother of children. Oh, hallelujah. There's no greater responsibility in life than to mother your children, ladies. Can somebody help me? I, I begin to think about uh, some of the examples in the Bible and, and uh, you know, usually every year at Mother's Day, that's what I do, stand up here and just kind of go down the list. But uh, I, I don't want to do that. I, I just want to tell you that there were some mothers that started being mothers before they were even conceived with child. Uh, are you hearing me? I, I thought about uh, how that uh, uh, Sarah prayed for a child and didn't bring forth uh, Isaac until she, Abraham's wife, until Isaac's mother, until she was an old woman, almost a 
hundred years old. Are you hearing me? And then I thought about Jacob who was deceived and thought he was getting Rachel and he got Leah who was less attractive, less attractive but she was a baby producer. Are you hearing me? She had one right after the other and then he worked seven more years and he got Rachel and she was barren and Rachel prayed and pleaded and pleaded with God and then finally God granted her wish and she had uh, children. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. Think about that. And uh, she, she became the, the mother of nations. Glory to God. And then I, I started thinking about, uh, uh, about the mother of Samson, you know. And when God began to speak to her and told her, sent a man angel, a messenger, and said, you'll have a child. And even before she had even conceived, had never had a child, he said, this will be the manner of the child. You won't drink any strong drink. You won't eat unclean things. You keep yourself pure because you're going to give birth to a deliverer and you'll never let him drink wine. You'll never cut his hair. He'll be a Nazarite according to the Nazarite vow in the book of Numbers. I could have told you about Samson but I thought about another one and that was a little woman by the name of Hannah and uh, she was married to a man and he had another wife that was having children and she could never have any and he loved his wife and, and he always gave her goodly portions and treated her well and yet she was grieved and he was so full of himself. You know what he said? He said, what are you sad about? He said, ain't I better than a house full of children? He was really full of himself. But you know what she did? Every year she went up to Jerusalem and she offered sacrifices and she prayed. And she, what she, her, her heart's cry was simply this, Lord, give me children. I want a child. God, what, what good is my life if I don't give birth and bring forth a child? And one day she was at the altar and she was praying and Eli was the priest and, and his sons were, were, were wicked and they were defiling the very worship of God and that woman's at the altar praying and she's praying so hard that she's lost her voice and just her mouth is moving and Eli said why you're drunk what are you doing in the temple of God drunk this time of the day she said I'm not drunk but in travail of spirit I've asked God for a child and he spoke to her and said then you'll you get your request. You're going to have the child. You know what she said? If God will give me a child, I'll give him back to the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of rushing through this. She had a son, and his name was Samuel. How many's ever heard of Samuel? Two books in the Bible are named after this man. He was a prophet, not only a prophet, but a judge. He was a miracle worker. He was a powerful man. And she gave that child as soon as he was weaned. In other words, old enough to leave home. She brought him to the temple and she left him and uh, so she had a priority for his life. She said God he's yours. Every year she'd bring clothes back up to the temple and you know what God did? God blessed that woman. They had five more children but this woman was such an influence in Samuel's life. The scripture says in the book of 1 Samuel that the lamp of God went out there. In other words the menorah, the candlestick the light that, that showed light over on the table of shoes bread, the light that lit up the holy place. The lamp was going out. It was never supposed to go out. And then it said the word of God was precious. Eli, the man of God, had lost touch with God. Israel wasn't receiving any ministry, but that child grew up and he ministered before the Lord 
while he was a youth all the way up and God spoke to him, amen, in the middle of the night and raised him up to be a prophet and he became one of the greatest deliverers that Israel ever saw. What a man of God. And so I thought about what does it mean to be a, a, a joyful mother in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1, Hannah the Bible said, prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn, which means my strength, is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. In other words, because God, she felt like saved her by giving her a child. I want to say this, ladies. Children in your care. Children under your instruction. How important can that be? Let me tell you about Samuel. Samuel, because of the influence of his mother, became the great prophet of Israel. And do you know that Samuel married as well and had children, sons. But when Samuel was old in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and uh, uh, there was a time that his ministry was drawing near to an end. And the scripture said that the men of Israel came to him. And uh, it said in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1, it said Samuel was old, that he made his sons to be judges over Israel. The name of the first one was Joel. Now, that's not Joel that wrote the book of Joel. The name of his second was Abiah, and they were judges in Beersheba. Listen to verse 3. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre. In other words, they were ministry for sale. And took bribes and perverted judgments. And then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and Ramah and said unto him, Behold, you're old, and your sons walk not in your ways to make us a, a king. To judge. In other words, anoint us, give us a king. We, we're tired of, of this government where God is in control. I went back and did some research about this. Here's what I found out. Samuel was impacted, influenced, even put in position because of a joyful, praying, godly mother who, who rejoiced that God had gave her a son to give to the Lord. But then when you read about Samuel, nothing is mentioned of his wife. Nothing is mentioned of the mother of his sons. Now, I thought about that in that, in that culture. So often, the women are always two steps behind the husband. Hello, it's like that now. You go to the Middle East, it's like that in Central and South America. Women are lessened in, in position than men are. I know in this modern society that wouldn't fly very well, and I'm not even saying I agree with it. I'm just telling you how it was. Women are not really in the Bible. There's not a lot of importance, or not, not, that's the wrong word, not a lot of accolade given to women unless God handpicked them, called them forward, unless by their perseverance, their prayer, and their nature, we see them producing things like Samson and Samuel. Can you say amen? What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying your gift will make room for you. I'm saying if you do the will of God, you can't be held down. 
And in this day and time, when so oftentimes mothers forsake motherhood and forsake their children, and in this day and time, when mothers at times feel like what like being a mom is not important. I want to tell you, I think it's the, the highest calling you could ever attain to is to be a cheerful mother, a godly woman, that when children, when they look at you like the Proverbs 31 woman, they rise up and call you blessed and the heart of the husband to trust in her. And, and I thought about this, Samuel's wife, whoever she was, his son's mother, whoever she was, apparently she wasn't a Hannah. Oh, apparently she wasn't. And I don't say that to be critical of anyone. I say that to try to get you to grasp the truth that the very purpose of God is always to elevate people. And when God allows you to be a mother, you know, in this society, people laugh at the idea of a stay-at-home mom. And, and I know a lot of times economically, financially, that's an impossibility. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? But I've come to tell you that your mother, according to Ezekiel 19 and verse 10, is like a vine in your blood. Planted by the waters, she becomes a fruitful bough. In other words, when motherhood is allowed to blossom to what God intended for it to be, a mother does something in a child's life that can never be removed. Never. Think of that. The Bible says in Luke that the angel Gabriel came and spoke to a young girl, a virgin, by the name of Mary, and said, Hail Mary, thou art highly favored. God has chosen you. Can I tell you children, all of you something? That woman you call mom was chosen of God to be your mother. And the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Doesn't it? That your days may be long in the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee. Honor your father and your mother. So here was a woman of sorrow, of sadness, of disappointment, and all of a sudden, God granted her prayer, and she became perhaps the most influential woman in the land of Israel at that time, because she raised up the man that saved Israel at that day. Much like Samson's mother, like Gideon's mother, when the angel appeared to her and said, he'll begin to deliver the nation. You're his mother. He's your responsibility. I want to conclude with this. The psalm begins with praise the Lord. The psalm ends with praise the Lord. This psalm says we ought to praise God because of who he is, and we do. Then this psalm says, who is like God who comes down to elevate us? And moms, I want to suggest to you that when God chose you to be a mother, it was his way of elevating you, his way. And you know, I thought some women 
never get to be mothers. Yet God always uses them to bless children. Think of that. There are women in this room, there are women that I've pastored, that I've known for lifetimes that have gone on to be with the Lord, that never had children of their own, but yet they were mothers in a sense. Think of that. And I thought about my life in particular when my mother was taken from me so young. She was young and I was just a child, four years old. And yet, at that point, a precious woman, my grandmother, became mom to me. And then, some years later, my dad remarried. And just so happened the woman he married is now a Pentecostal preacher. Imagine that. I'm a Pentecostal preacher. I'm talking about influence. Is anybody hearing me? And then I married Gail. I thought, man, I met her and fell in love with her, and she became my wife. Then she became mom, and now she's Nana. I wonder what's next. But at that point in my life, her mom became my mother-in-law, became a mom in my life. And my point is this. Mothers have skills that nobody else has. Mothers have compassions that nobody else has. Mothers have gifts that nobody else has. And according to the Bible, every good and perfect gift comes from God. So when God gave you a mother or God allowed you to be a mother, that's your gift. Use it. Use it wisely. It'll make room for you and you will be a cheerful, joyful, happy mother of children. Amen. Let me say this today in closing as Nick comes to the music. So often on these special holidays and I feel the responsibility to preach a message concerning that holiday I usually stress more at that time than any other time because I realize people are expecting to hear that but God has also expected me to present great truth and when we think about motherhood and we think about Jesus and the angel said, Hail Mary, thou art highly favored because God has chosen you. And we think what, the, what that must have meant to a little peasant girl, insignificant, unnoticed, she would have never made the history books she would have never really made a blip on the radar of history except for the fact that God chose her to be the mother of the Savior think of that John and Charles Wesley almost everybody knows who they were the great fathers of the Methodist movement 
And John and Charles Wesley both said, we are today who we are because of our mother. Because it was she that taught us to pray. She that taught us scripture. She that taught us music and worship. Everything that we know, they said we learned at our mother's knee. So God's called you. I told Gail this morning, I said, all day yesterday, there's a song. It was out a couple of years ago or a few years ago now, I guess, maybe longer. And the song says, there are no strangers. There are no outcasts. There are no orphans of God. And I, all day yesterday, I could just hear that in my spirit. And finally, somewhere during the course of the day, it began to sink in. I thought, thank God. To him, there are no strangers. There are no outcasts. There are no orphans to God. God loves you. And he loved you enough to come down among us. And he loved you enough to call you to be a mother. He loved you enough to allow you to have a mother. To speak into your life things that can never be removed. When I read about the Proverbs 31 woman, I put this in the bulletin today and I just dropped this on you. I thought, when you read about that Proverbs 31 verses 10 through 31, if you read all that, I thought, wow, that woman is nothing shy of Wonder Woman. She's, man, she's everything. She's perfect. And, and, I, and moms, you are Wonder Woman, if I have to use for lack of a better term. But the point, the truth is, there's not a mother in this building that's perfect. There's not a mother in this building that hadn't made mistakes, that hadn't blew it at times, that hadn't, I don't know, I won't go into detail. We just, we're human. And so are you, mom. But isn't it amazing that your children still rise up and call you blessed? Isn't it amazing that the heart of your husband still trusts you? Because that's what God gave you to be. That's your gift. Use it wisely. Let it be a source of joy. Hallelujah. Teach your children well. Teach your children well, mothers. Teach them well. Let's pray. Father, and set our hearts on you. Lord, come and do. We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.